0: Hi, I am Martin, and this is Words That Change You. Words fly all around us, kind words, silly words, angry words, and they do so all day long. But how often does something written or spoken really feed our souls? Wouldn't it be nice if beyond the noise we could listen to words that make a difference? In Words That Change You, we will speak with a variety of people artists, monks, business people, housewives, and see whether we could not glean some nuggets of wisdom to feed on. Some other times we will simply examine a piece of wisdom we stumbled upon. Tune in and be surprised. Will you dance for Midsummer's Night? Even as we publish this podcast, thousands of Swedes are rushing to their country homes to get ready for the big event happening this weekend. Midsummer, when everybody dances around a pole, drinks lots of alcohol, and makes merry. In my own country, Austria, young men climb the hills surrounding their towns with kindling on their backs. In a few days, they will light the so-called St. John's fires and if you happen to be in the region on that evening, all the hilltops will be illumined by these fires. And in Krakow, Poland, to mention one last example, Monday will see many Poles standing at the bank of the Wiswa casting the Vyanki, which are flowered wreaths, into the water. Ever since the beginning of civilization, people such as the Egyptians, have developed rituals to mark particular occasions, the flooding of the Nile, the bringing in of the harvest, the beginning of summer. Some of those were associated with pagan superstition, such as appeasing the gods so they would not unleash their wrath upon the people. Others became religious festivals, such as Passover, the birth of the prophet, or Christmas living in what's often called an enlightened age of rationalism and scientific rigor, such rituals can seem silly and outdated. If we know that there is no god that produces rain, we can refrain from offering him cereal sacrifices to win his approval. But given how long the enlightenment has been around, it is surprising how persistent these rituals seem to be. Israeli society, where roughly 50 percent of its inhabitants consider themselves secular, Shabbat continues to be an important weekly holiday for families. Christmas similarly remains an important observance for people who not only don't subscribe to Christianity, but who often don't even understand what that feast originally commemorated. So is it just superstition or traditionalism that keeps these rituals alive? Michael Norton, the professor of the Harvard Business School, has studied rituals and their effect on individuals. People who can point to a family ritual for Christmas, New Year, or Easter, are significantly more likely to have a positive experience of those holidays, even though they are sometimes stressful. This is also true for bereaved people. If there's a ritual from their culture or their religion that they can fall back on, they overcome their loss in a significantly quicker way. Yes, even people who lose at the lottery report significantly less grief if they performed a ritual once they knew they had lost. In other words, the benefit of ritual is not simply imagined. It is measurable. While the word ritual can mean a certain automatic unreflected action and thus carry a negative connotation, we all have rituals. Some of us brush our teeth before we shower. Others do the reverse but each group thinks the other way of doing things is dead wrong. Athletes have certain routines built into their games, such as bouncing the ball exactly four times before a tennis serve, or crossing oneself before running onto the soccer pitch, or wearing a particular jersey for a race. Are these just childish practices, or might they really help us in what we do? Michael Norton would postulate the latter. Families often also maintain rituals. Rites of passage, such as bar mitzvahs or first communions are observed, even if the religious content is not considered relevant. In my house, we celebrate birthdays by sitting around the table and honoring the so-called birthday boy. And Mardi Gras would not be Mardi Gras without pancakes. When I was younger, I simply thought that such practices helped my parents in their planning. They did not have to reinvent the holiday each year, but as I've grown older, I realize that the yearly repetition of the ritual makes me look forward to it. Tish Harrison Warren in her book, Liturgy of the Ordinary, points to another benefit of ritual. As we brush our teeth, make a cup of coffee, send an email to a friend, we can be pretty distracted and inattentive. Rituals, on the other hand, can cause us to perform such actions more mindfully. And she gives lots of ideas in this book of how to implement such mini rituals in our lives. So whether on the individual level, as a family or as a whole society, rituals seem to have an important place. They help us be conscious of certain events, such as the passing of a year or our daughter coming of age. Their very repetition helps us look forward to the next time we perform them. And they increase our subjective well-being, whether in sorrow or in joy. So before mocking the dancing around the maypole, maybe you should consider what rituals you want to pick up. This was Words That Change You with me, Martin Steinbreitner. It was produced by Fritz Lowy, Clementina Barbazón, and Jacob duby If you liked this episode, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or wherever else you get your podcasts. Until next time.